Vegas for? You gonna win? I'm gonna dance. There's a spot open in the chorus line. We're auditioning tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. I got an audition! Okay, ladies, I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. From the creators of Basic Instinct, the last time they took you to the edge, this time they're taking you all the way. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they want to see. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. She's going down to the stardust. She's going to be in the show. Right? If someone gets in your way, step on them. It's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about power. You're a stripper. Don't you get it? I'm a dancer. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's what Las Vegas is all about. The passion is real. I could fall in love with you. The desire is intense. You can't touch me, but I can touch you. I'd really love to touch you. And the show is about to begin. Showgirls. Leave your inhibitions at the door. Welcome to Movie Night Extravaganza, episode 33, Showgirls. We are live with my good, friendly, uh, doggy chow-loving co-host, <laughs> Jay Andrew World. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> Kenzo Shibata of Class Time and uh, Meet the Left. Although those are both on a on a hiatus, hiatus right yeah, now. a lot of a lot of hiatus guests, I guess today. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kenzo's newsletter is your uh, Substack, right? Yeah, that's not on hiatus. I just, I actually, I think I haven't written in a few days. I feel like, oh, I'm not doing anything because I, you know, have uh have capitalism brain. Yeah, capitalism <laughs> brain. You know, it'll drain you. It'll drain you of that. I mean, with Substack, it's like I'm basically giving people a magazine's worth of material for five dollars a month. It's not that bad. Yeah, well, you know what? Most most kids in college do that for free. Most uh, college, uh, college leftists. And most of it, us who wrote for Jacobin. They do it by they do it by uh, <laughs> by hand. Those fucking disease. Oh my god, I used to do that. <laughs> All right, we're also joined by Gab, formerly from Beef Country Podcast, and now it's going to be uh, Final Girls is your new um, yeah. is the new branding, right? Yes, that was a. Uh, Something I came up with when I was really stoned one night watching a horror movie, as I usually am. And Kitty and I had like a joint list going of name ideas to replace Beef Country. And we were really struggling, but that's, we finally found one. It's it's solid. It, I mean, it's it's crazy, like, seeing that, though, after going through that month of uh, slasher films we just did, where, like, every single movie we, like, we, we talked endlessly about the final girl trope. And did any of those films have, like, more than one final girl in them? I don't, I can't think of, I think that's, it, it happens, but I think it's odd, you know, it's not, it's, it, but you know, if Gab and Kitty were in a horror film, neither of them would die. No, we would make it. Yeah, yeah for sure. It would be, it would be, 
you guys and then like the red scare girls and then we get killed off instantly <laughs> the red scare girls would die like five minutes in i think <laughs> yeah first to go um so i think uh you know it also ties into the idea of being canceled i think that um well, Verhoeven was canceled multiple times. He's been canceled from whole countries, which I, I feel like you really like. Because first, um, I was watching that uh, "You Don't Know Me" uh, documentary mm. yesterday, and he had gotten kind of pushed out of Holland and sent to like exile, pretty much in Hollywood. And then, of course, he famously left Hollywood after Hollow Man failed, and like felt like nobody was hiring him anymore, and went to France. So all of his movies, like since then, have been made in France. All right, yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm going to start out with this. Um, Verhoeven and uh, Gina Gershon explaining why they believe that um, Showgirls was was treated the way it was. <laughs> and I think that it's it's interesting after watching that um, You Don't Know Me documentary because their reasons for like, oh, like people really didn't get this movie are a lot different than like the very, very um, sarcastic and condescending reasons that, you know, throughout this documentary, every single film critic was like, oh, here's why we didn't get it. Like so, I found this. Uh, I found this interesting comparison. It's it's a, it's a few minutes. So yeah, I watched this to... earlier. I think I'll ask. I'll, I'm going to ask just a, a few questions. Um, it's really impossible to talk about showgirls without talking about just the the life and the afterlife of the film. Um, and we were talking about this earlier, and, and it sounds like both of you have theories. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on why this film was so. First of all, was so violently rejected. You're gonna ruin the movie for them. No, we wouldn't have to talk about the movie. I know, but then they have all these ideas of what it's gonna be before. It could be interesting, but most people have it. seen it. You said that most people haven't seen no, it. No, 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 I said a third. Oh, you, most people have most seen people it. Most people have seen it, but there, about a third of, of the so audience the have not seen it. Don't listen. They could not listen. It was a, okay, why, why was it rejected and why has it been so embraced in the years since? First of all, um, I would say too much nudity perhaps, that people weren't looking at the faces anymore, then you see the actors' expressions are lost, I think, because you look down. <laughs> so that might be a reason for... Dutch accents are so funny. The other reason is that, uh, of course, it's a very cynical movie. I mean, everybody is bad. Really, there's only one uh, African-American girl uh, is the only good person in the whole movie. And she really, gets punished also really by punished rape. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah? She's punished for that. Yeah, she's punished for that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really dark movie, I think. I mean, with all the, all the Vegas, let's say, embellishment that's there and that was really brought in by me, uh, let's say, this hyperbolic style, everything is a bit over the top, even uh, dialogue and acting and all, everything to a certain degree. But I felt that the story itself is extremely negative, of course. I mean, it's really saying sexuality or sex in general is money. And, and basically is that that's not only you could say perhaps an attack on, 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 on Vegas, but it's perhaps was seen as an attack on the United States in general. The bottom line is money. I mean, some people think that that is the truth about the United States living in Europe, of course. Your thoughts, Gina? You know, when the movie came out, there was a lot of like bad press, right? I mean, it was like violently, you know, people were like attacking it, right? I mean, I remember loving Quentin Tarantino so much because he came out with his like, I love showgirls. And he talked about why he loved it. And, you know, the press, it was like my first real experience of like 
seeing that sort of press. But um, I don't know how many years later is it? I, I've lost count. It's 50 years later. I mean, I don't know how many years. It's like 20 years later or 30. Like to 94, this, I think. 24. And I'm not exactly. To this day, I, I don't do an interview without people and a lot of the same people still asking me about showgirls. The same, a lot of the same people who gave it negative reviews are obsessed with it all these years later. So it was kind of funny. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I always found that kind of curious. They, it's like, well, you hate it so much. Why are you still talking about it? And now it's being, oh, no, but it's this great cult thing. So I don't know. It kind of taught me not to really pay too much attention to reviews so much. Yeah, it, it was very difficult to accept. I, I thought, basically, we had done uh, Joe Esterhaus, the writer, and I, we had done extensive uh, research for months and months in Las Vegas. Basically, we talked to everybody, pole dancers, or, uh, but also the managers, the choreographers, the production uh, <coughs> designers, and <coughs> the producers of the show. We talked to everybody. We interviewed about 50 people. And so a lot of the things you see based on reality included basically what happens to this uh, at the end of the movie. I mean, it was based on reality. So I thought it was my best documented movie. <laughs> More so than Total Recall because that would be going to Mars. But so I didn't, but, but I didn't do much research on all the other ones basically, but I, really I was, we had the feeling, Joe and I, at, at that point, that we were representing, let's say, what happened in Vegas in an authentic way. And I think that was... Um, but on top of that, I felt I made an extremely elegant movie. But, That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe that's why they have that phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, so I guess starting with you, Gab, because you're, I mean, you know, I, I think that you're on here to give a full-throated defense of showgirls. Um, just, <laughs> how do you, how do you... Strange you, uh, choice of words. Yeah, no, I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> just a deep-throated deep defense of, <laughs> of showgirls. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to claim it's an elegant film as, as <laughs> Robin just did. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I do really, really appreciate the camp of it all. And I mean, I guess it wasn't even originally supposed to be campy. They wanted it to be like there was. I watched an interview with Kyle MacLachlan where he was talking about during filming that Verhoeven was dead set on them being. Um, passionate and over the top, but in a way that would just create this very serious, dark drama. And I think now in retrospect is they're claiming that it was, you know, a campy hyperbolic thing. Yeah. Doing, I, the, uh, doing the Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I was making a, I was making a comedy the whole time. Yeah. Like I was just kidding. You know, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure he was like trying to make like, uh, you know, like how Robocop was kind of like tongue in cheek and trying to do the same thing with this, but just completely missed the mark because like you know uh elizabeth berkeley is not it's not peter weller i mean they're just not hey, the peter same. Weller, please come on the show <laughs> please come on the show <laughs> i'm obsessed with her performance in this movie like i really can't get enough of it i love to quote it i love her. oh god she's just always bug-eyed and looks like, like she's 
she's on the the speed from from that episode of Saved by the Bell and just just gave that performance the entire time. Literally mm-hmm. for two and a half Saved hours. Bell, it was just caffeine pills, which makes it really funny. Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. That was like I was a teen around all this time. Like so we all got really excited. We're like, "Oh, Jesse from uh Saved by the Bell is going to be naked in this." And it was like the the, the least erotic nudity I'd ever seen as a whatever a 15 year old. And I think I remained a virgin for a couple of years because of this film because no, that's so scary. <laughs> this movie turned me volcel. Like it really did. I'm gonna go to Virgin Fest. Well, um, you wrote all about, you know, why you're you you did that uh the vow of celibacy, right? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, Kenzo knows that whole backstory. Um <laughs> involved showgirls. That's deep in the lore. It is. That's yeah, that's episodes, episodes back that we did together. Um but no, I I agree. It's it, it's a very horny movie, but it's not sexy at all. Um, and it's as horny, someone, it's horny in the way that like a middle aged guy at a at a um at like a Vegas club would be horny. You know what I mean? Like mm, it's horny yeah. in the way of like transactionality, handing money over for that, like doing this weird flashy thing that you know you're not actually like you might come inside of the you know inside of the actual club, but it's not going to be from fucking. And you know what I mean? Like you're going to be in a weird state. And nobody's enjoying that experience whatsoever, including you. <laughs> so it's like it's that kind of horny, which is like a very it's a very thin line, I think, to walk. Without and I think that's like fear. part of the reason it was so poorly received initially was because I'm pretty sure when it was initially released or about to be released, MGM had marketed it as like the most erotic film you'll ever see, and so people went into it taking that uh, you know as it as truth, and mm-hmm. then of course they were a little bit shell shocked when they you know, saw the thrashing and like, oh God, it's just extremely over the top. Those full cool, cool sex scenes are like the, are like the, the pinnacle of it. That's like, probably oh, yeah, and that's me like up real like, sex too. You can't, I don't know. Like I've, I'm just like, am I, how do I do that? It's, I don't think I know how to, I don't think I can physically have sex if I, I, I could. Yeah. It's, so it took it me a couple more years. It just, it reminded me of like, a CIA agent gets done working at like Guantanamo or like a black site. And they're like, I'm not done waterboarding for the day. How can I incorporate <laughs> this into my sex life and really just get the most of my CIA training? <laughs> Cause you, no, you just, I mean, cause you see it first. It's like that mirror thing that they're talking about in uh, and you don't know me to talk about how a lot of the scenes in this are mirrors. So mm-hmm. she gives them the lap mm-hmm. dance and she does the thrashing thing, which it reminds me of like how like some like beetle or something would, have sex with it like or like have you ever or seen like, dragonflies? Seen dragonflies, <laughs> dragonflies mate and one of them goes like this like i've had dragonflies land on me while they're mating and like it, it was a weird thing to <laughs> that's a threesome yeah <laughs> what kind of clubs do you go to for us to get that or is that cucking no i go to <laughs> just watching i go to dragonfly clubs pretty pretty <laughs> pretty frequently they weren't what i thought they'd be but you know <laughs> um, no but like so it, it's kind of something like that. Like it's almost like it's rhythmic and weird and choreographed. And then they, they do it again in the full scene. But in that scene, it's much more violent. And it seems like he's actually like physically drowning her for a second. Mm-hmm. And then she pops back up still smiling and is like still into it. And I'm like, huh. Because also there's like the thing where it's like, there's they're like, oh, the famous rape scene. I hadn't seen Showgirl. So I was like waiting for the rape scene to happen the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're like, it, they're like, it happens out of nowhere. Like, you know, it's really unexpected. There's a rape yeah. scene. Really. And I was like, 
this isn't what they're talking about, right? Like, he just starts drowning her. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't, but you know what I mean? So, I'm like, I was very confused by that, I think, the first time I was watching it. I was 15. Imagine how confused I was. During the rape scene? <laughs> well, I was 15 for the whole movie. Yeah. The first time I saw it. <laughs> okay. And I was expecting... <laughs> you know, the movie. I was expecting Saved by the Bell soft porn, and it was deeply disturbing. Are you sure we're talking about the same movie? Because I, I think you could have been 15 when you walked in and 17 when you walked out with the length of it. <laughs> it's uh, extremely long. I felt like I was about 13 when I walked out. I, I, I regressed a bit. <laughs> I was sucking my thumb for sure. Um, so this is a perfect this is a perfect time for this. Um, this is this is Verhoeven talking about the anti-erotic nature of it. This is a shorter clip. Oh but, shit. Um, I was just about is, to go off on that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, so I, I figured that like we were gonna talk about that, so I wanted to Get it in the Dutch, Dutch accent. I follow that. I, I think you're right uh, that people, um, the, the, uh, this was uh, released by MGM. And I remember seeing the first trailers, which were uh, uh, promising this is the most erotic movie that you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> I, and I was already amazed because it was the most anti erotic movie. <laughs> Because all the sex is basically, uh, let's say, used as a tool. You know, there is it's not erotic in any way because everything, every move she makes, be it, uh, be it Gina or Elizabeth Berkeley, is basically based on making money. So that was really, I, I think, the the promise of MGM to the audience: this is going to be a way, way beyond basic instinct, much more erotic, much more this, that, and sex. I mean, it was completely false. I mean, really, the movie is really anti-erotic. It's really about using, er let's say, sexuality, not even erotics, sexuality to make money. I mean, so that was not said. They used, didn't use that in the campaign, but that would have been honest from the beginning. Did you try to get MGM to sell it as an anti-erotic movie? <laughs> no, <laughs> of course not. Okay. <laughs> But they might have emphasized something else, you know. But but they pushed it really. I remember that there was the shot of Elizabeth basically on the pole and stuff like that. I say this is the most air, and you see her doing a little bit like this or whatever <laughs> on the on the pole. And the, but suggested like much more that this is a trailer where you, when you come to the cinema, you really have some something that you have never seen before. But that was not the case. Basically, well, perhaps the amount of breast, but. No, I thought it was, I, were you there? I don't think you were there. I remember I thought when I came and that poster hadn't come out yet. Yeah. And I thought I had the most brilliant idea. I'm like, you guys, I, I thought of the greatest idea of how to like sell the movie. And because you know, I was driving down Sunset Boulevard, I said, wouldn't it be fun if like you just have this big poster and like there's a curtain and it's like, you know, 50 days to showgirls, 49 days, 48 days. And like the curtain keeps rising at the end. It's like really fun. And I remember they looked at me like, oh. what? Like I was insane. And then when I saw the, what it was going to be, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so serious. Like, why is that so like, well, that's like what you were saying. And I was like, oh, my God, we're in well, trouble. This was... Uh, it's a pity that I didn't hear that at that time, you know. It was a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they I looked think at me so. like I was insane. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. But yeah, what I was gonna say about the the anti-eroticism of showgirls. Hey, go off, go off on the, on the all right. <laughs> so the thing about it being, you know, the the most erotic movie you'll ever see, um, none of the sex in the movie 
I mean, it's all completely devoid of passion. It's all, none of it's romantic sex. It's literally all just a means to an end for any character, basically, who's doing it. Um, and as someone who has done sex work in a variety of forms, I do have to say, like, 99% of the time, what does that mean? Um, 99% of the time, transactional sex is not hot, especially, like, for the person who is working for those gains, it's not hot. You want it to be over as soon as possible, like as quickly as possible. And so it's kind of like eroticism and transactional sex for me are kind of like, it, they're an antithesis. And I would, I can't speak for all sex workers, but I would say that most of them would agree with me that like, there's really no pleasure in it for the worker the majority of the time. Also like I'm a communist, why would I ever, uh, be horny for work mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like and so when they were talking about the anti-eroticism thing that like really rang true for me it was like it is like Nomi every move she makes dancing sleeping with Kyle McLaughlin like it's all yeah well there's two she's fucking her way to the top there's two there's two different kinds of transactionality right it's transactionality literal transactionality with her working at the cheetah club and you know, mm -hmm. uh, trying to pay her money at the boat show and all that stuff, where it's literally just like the most, the most naked, no pun intended, form of it, where it's just money for sex. And then yeah. there's the, the transactionality of power, which in order to claw your way to the top, you need to engage in in sex voluntarily and without financial compensation in the moment in order mm -hmm. to move your way up through those positions. And I think Verhoeven um, hits those two points pretty clearly throughout this movie, because I, I think that Nomi is like. You know, as as someone who was a, a like her character, like as like I mean, obviously you don't find it out to the end, like why she's so against being labeled a whore throughout the entire movie. You think it's because she's a Pollyanna, but it's not. It's because she was literally. I mean, her her literal name was Polly, I think, as a as a sex worker, which is funny. Mm -hmm. But you know, um, <laughs> the uh, you know, the idea of it being like, well, she doesn't want the actual. She wants to move up past that. She doesn't want the money part of it. She wants the power part of it. Mm -hmm. She wants to be the one engaging in that, and she wants to fully claim that power because she realizes that her own sexuality is is a weapon and isn't something that she just wants five hundred dollars for. It's something that she wants to like replace Gina Gershon like <laughs> with. You know what I mean? So it's it's an interesting because I think that and and I think that's mirrored in the idea of a cheetah like the cheetah club being somewhere where you can just kind of pay money for a blowjob and to pay the guy for a blowjob that's working there, all this stuff. Um, or, you know what I mean? Like give him a blowjob and your money. Like, you know what I mean? Like all these, all, all that's different stuff where it's literally just like kind of a, a strip club turned brothel in that sense. And then mm -hmm. up, to the, up to the actual, um, like the hotel where, I mean, on the face, it's not that on the face. It's a, it's an erotic show. And as like a dancer, you're kind of clawing your way to the top of a, of a, you know, of a hierarchy that you want to get to the top of, but it's not necessarily like, or at least they, they like they act like the, there's a subtext to it, but the text is kind of that it wouldn't be that. Um, yeah, it's just like a higher class whoredom is what it yeah. is. <laughs> well, what I was uh, kept thinking about because uh, I just watched um, uh, Matt Baum's uh, channel. He did an episode on Elvira and because, um, uh, you know, it was Halloween and, and whatever. But um uh, she apparently, uh, when she was 18, went to, or 17, went, went to uh, Las Vegas with her family, saw some showgirls and decided that's what she wanted to be. And, um, you know, uh, at, at, uh, after she finished high school, went to go uh, become a showgirl. And that was like a big part of her life was uh, 
hanging out with drag queens and doing um, uh, showgirl performances. And uh, I, I kept thinking like, like, you know, uh, I, I kept thinking about that while I was watching the movie. Cause like I said, I just seen that recently. And um, I don't know. It's um, I kind of sort of had a question in there for everybody, but I completely forgot what that was. So um, there we go. Elvira was a showgirl. Uh, Elvis <laughs> set her straight. Uh, apparently she, she made out with Elvis. Um, cause, cause then Gina Gershon kept bringing up Elvis too, which is crazy. Um, uh, but Elvis said, get out of it, you know, get out of this job quickly, find something else. Um, she's like, well, white knight, like white knight <laughs> Elvis yes. who didn't like have 13 year old girls wrestle in front of him while eating fried peanut butter sandwiches. I was about uh, to say good man, Elvis. <laughs> who he, probably also, also, um, he also lobbied Nixon for that DEA job being like, <laughs> yes, right. so he could, just so he could have the badge. So he could walk over fucking borders with a bunch of drugs and no one would say anything to him. He'd be like, I'm a DEA agent. <laughs> I got a black belt in karate. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's at least a lot of directions though that we could take this conversation with showgirls. Um, I, I think that the transactionality makes people uncomfortable, um, you know, watching this movie. Um, I mean, for, for good reason, but I also think that it breaks a lot of like film critics' brains. Um, it, like if you're, if you're somebody who like, I don't know, if you're not, if you're not like looking at, at, um, like a capitalism that way if you're not looking at like the, the transactionality of our system in general and systems across the world but like most nakedly ours i think and you're not interrogating that in any capacity like there was that uh hashtag girl boss lady in and you don't know me who's like who's like you know this movie was really out of touch and oblivious because women today they could be president or they could be ceo of a large company and they could have that power and this movie you know what what is she trying to do just do a little strip tease which is like the most oblivious statement, but when you realize that like this movie is commenting more generally on on a system and it's commenting on mm -hmm. like the transactionality of everything, which I mean for Verhoeven, you have to look at his work, I think, altogether, like you know, Starship Trooper and the militarism of that and Robocop and literally privatizing like our public services and like all of these ideas that are kind of floated by either Verhoeven or his writers. I mean, in, in the case of Robocop, I think that he didn't come up with a lot of those ideas because he just got to like the U.S. Mm -hmm. like two years before that. Or something. Well, the, la the 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 majority of 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 uh, dancers at the Admiral are single mothers, like so they're not going to be the next Kamala Harris. Like, let's get fucking real here. You know, material conditions are material conditions. They aren't being foisted through the PMC the way others are. So, like, they're, I mean, they're limited choices in life. That's not without. That's not, that's not what this woman was saying. I think she was saying creating a movie about a strong female character in general like the, the idea of creating because you could do anything with that character why yeah. would you create a character in that but then and there are other movies that do that though happy birthday to this future show girl <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah like, if you're not if you're not interrogating the way that like you know i mean naked monetary transactions work and like once again no pun intended if you're not like the way that everything's kind of commodified if you're not if you're not interrogating any of that and your thing is just like oh like let's look at this movie from like a liberal feminist lens is yeah. are the women in empowered situations where, white feminist <laughs> yeah like, well yeah li i mean liberal white like, <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to get on red scare though so <laughs> <laughs> well I, I mean white feminism you have to be way more racist like, for uh, that <laughs> Uh, well, white feminism is kind of an offshoot of, of uh, liberalism. So, so like it's you know, but but like very specifically that branded you know, um, lean. What is it? Lean forward. 
lean back. I can't remember. Lean. No, oh, lean, lean in. Lean in. lean in. That's it. Yes. Oh. Not to be confused with Lenin, which is much better to read. Yes. <laughs> By Lenin. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, really buy into the whole thing that the showgirls is an obnoxiously sexist movie. I would disagree. It does have a race problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, does. No, it, 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 it's also it's a Dutch. I mean, it's a Dutch director. Like, it's not. You know what I mean? Like, in yeah. in, in, in like in the Netherlands, they're still they still have a, a character that walks around in literal blackface on Christmas. They're not willing to give up. And the guy, it's like a, a white guy that walks around in blackface, like giving like like giving beatings out to children. And it's so wrong because Dutch masters are prominently sold in the African American community, <laughs> and they're not giving back. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, they're just like the only there were what two, two black characters in the movie, and they both just serve as pillars of support for Nomi, mm -hmm. no matter how shitty she is to everyone else around her. Well, Even Molly after, after her friend gets minute. raped. What? Molly pushes back for that one minute after she pushes, uh, you know, after after she pushes Gina Grishon down the stairs and she pushes back for one second and then she's like, but don't you want to meet a celebrity? And she's like, all right. Yeah, that's mind. all it takes. <laughs> like, absolutely no integrity there or like i don't know what that's trying to insinuate but yeah. well i think a lot of the writing it reminded me of that uh bad jack nicholson movie as good as it gets mm. where uh they're like uh the, the big line from the movie was like people ask me you know how i write women and i just throw out reason and but you know they did do it, a like, kathy it bates nude of... scenes which is woke <laughs> <laughs> Which is she's is not what, smashing in James Conn's uh, feet. She's getting naked in a hot tub. Things I could go without seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer the James Conn scene, to be honest. Kathy Bates has always been hot. You're just fat phobic. No, I was no. waiting for that. <laughs> but yeah, so getting back to the showgirls uh, anti-erotic point of it and, and the transactionality point. Um. There's the line where James, who's the weirdest fucking character in this movie, right? Like, that is the weirdest, like, because everybody kind of is disjointed and disconnected from each other, like, like verbally. You know what I mean? Like, the dialogue mm -hmm. is so over the top, but also just, like, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense for the context of whatever scene. So he sees uh, Kyle McLaughlin's car, and he's like, what is he, your pimp? Only people I know that got pimp cars are pimps. And then he says... <laughs> so <laughs> true, King. <laughs> he's like, he's the entertainment Poignant. Director. And he says exactly what I said, pimp, which is like, you know, putting that, putting it out there as if we, we weren't already kind of beat over the head around it. That That's like a Xanax rapper line. <laughs> the only people with pimp cause up pimps. <laughs> see, see, that line made me want to like watch a two the bar sequel, line. Which, which is all about two him, bar bar. So. Sorry, well, it's called Pennies from Heaven. Oh, the Steve Martin movie? No, no, it's Showgirls 2 Pennies from Heaven. Oh, I haven't seen this. No. Yeah, no, it's 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 focuses on him and and uh, Penny from from this movie. Mm. And and the pennies that they get from performing because nobody wants. It. <laughs> you sure it wasn't penis from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I so what do you guys think of the the reveal towards the I mean at the end that you know she's a she's a whore the whole time and that was like and they're like they like throw a bunch of information at you really fast that like the mother. Like and they kind of they kind of spread the seeds throughout the movie. 
with like uh you know i mean kind of hinting oh i don't have parents like my family isn't from anywhere like that whole thing like you know where she's like different places when <laughs> she flings her fries <laughs> Which first is... of all waste of good fries don't and, and secondly that. that line's from highlander it's like you know where he's getting grilled by the police and the cops are like where are you from mcleod and he goes lots of different places <laughs> um <laughs> This one's a little bit more Saved by the Bell, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all, although that line's hilarious in Highlander for different reasons, but, you know, it, it's because, like, you know, you can't recognize where, where uh, uh, Christopher Lambert is from. You know, he's from France. Nobody knows that accent from France, you know. What that, I think is <laughs> interesting about the recurring usage of mirrors in the movie, Nomi... And all the characters really are constantly looking at their own reflection, which is ironic in the way that you, they're not willing to face themselves in their actual character. Um, like Nomi this whole time has been running from her actual self, but the object of vanity in the movie is like an ever looming presence as well. Um, so it's, there's kind of a weird disconnect there that I like psychologically. If and I mean, she's, she's created like this, um Pollyanna character for herself and mm -hmm. it's like a it's a believable character I think in, in a lot of ways like I mean the fact that she gets so offended whenever anybody calls her a whore like you have to think either she was a whore at some point or you know she just doesn't like she's triggered ha 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 she's she's like or she's unwilling to like give up those values that would you know um she's unwilling to admit that she's give like it's a transactional relationship so like it has to be one of the two, and I think that uh, I think because of Elizabeth Berkeley's performance, she does a good job throughout it, kind of um, making it seem like she's resisting this this pull towards the abyss, I guess, which would be like you know just fully good, good job. And I also think she looks at it as like all the other people in her life are her whores. So like she's like, no, I'm the one you know paying the piper, and the piper is you. Yeah. Well, she's. I mean, she's the pimp. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm the pimp now. Yeah. It's her pimp car. <laughs> she would be a SoundCloud rapper if this was 2021. It's her car. She's just not driving because women can't drive. <laughs> so she, Kyle McLaughlin is simply her chauffeur. Not in Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, the Saudi Arabia of America's West. <laughs> Elaborate on that. I, just because women can't drive. That's okay. it. That, 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 it starts and ends there. Right. They're both deserts. Mm. <laughs> is go. that is is that textual though in, in the case of Vegas or subtextual? So I would I would go subtextual. Women can't drive, but in Saudi Arabia, it's very much textual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah, she never drives through the entire movie. No, she doesn't. Well, because she has to use it really her makes you think. <laughs> She has her she has her burger eating hands. Oh, oh my yeah. god, the way she was eating her burger was insane. <laughs> well, oh, you she, can get big ass burgers. Savage eating. It like wasn't anything where she's eating. She, she is ravenous. She's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I know it's really disgusting. <laughs> it's, like I don't like it. it's like those old Hardee's ads where they'd have these women in bikinis, like yeah, eating like Carl's that? Jr. shit. That would never fly in 2021. No. That, I kind of uh, want those back, though. I kind of like those. Trump tried to make the guy that thought of those ads and like was running Hardee's. He tried to make him his secretary of labor. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's base. 
Oh, man. Like, but, like, he ended up not getting voted in because they kept being like, so what do you think of labor rights? He's like, oh, no, workers should not have rights. No, I, so I, I think that it's interesting that throughout this movie, they play with that text and subtext, right? Like, um, like most, most obviously, I think, in the, you know, the, the $1,000 scene, which is kind of funny that, like, when she's in the Cheetah Club, like, getting a lap dance, it's $500, and then she's supposedly now in the big leagues at, like, this big boat place, and she only gets 1000 that is exploitation at its fucking finest. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> not good pay for a boat party. Yeah. And it's like and it's like the guy that's working at the hotel too. It's not even like And it's know. a guy with a Japanese name but from Bangkok, which is possible, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> well they had well, they had I mean, those guys come in um when she's working at the Cheetah Club, right? They they follow um her and I watched the movie like three times in three days. So that's six hours of your life. Yeah, <laughs> how did you do that? It's almost seven hours. Listen, I, just, I like the movie, no. but I couldn't do that. Lately, lately, whenever I go out and do stuff, the world is just too whatever. So I've just been staying and watching movies most of the time when I can. <laughs> I, I do too, but come on. I, I watch better movies than that. Um, you know, not by much, but but uh, you can you can check my uh, my uh, uh, letterbox page, you know. See, well, see I'm asexual now after watching it three times. <laughs> It's it's stripped me of my my sexuality. (laughs) And your pronouns are now it. (laughs) My pronouns are no in me. Call me Pennywise. (laughs) Call me Pennywise because my pronouns are it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you know you're you're not respecting the clown's pronouns if you don't call it it. I like the movie. I mean, I think it's, I, I don't think it's watchable enough to do three nights in a row. I think you're brave for that, but I do think it's oddly watchable. Yeah. It, it, no, it definitely is. And um, I, I think that a, a big part of um, why, it's funny. It is, I mean, yeah, it it, it, it's, 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 it's the camp too, right? It's like yes. the, the amount of camp. And like, I've spent a lot of time hanging out with drag queens and like, you know, um, like the, the showgirl element of it, the over the top element of it, I guess. And the, like the kind of, you know, um, not even teasing, but just like beating you over the head with the sexuality of it. Like, especially her, um, like the girl who works at the Cheetah Club, the older woman that's like, it's like, I've taken bigger moles off my twat. That like, like the mama. Yeah, it was, yeah. Was, she, she kind of is like, was dressed kind of as a drag queen. Like if you didn't know that she mm-hmm. was a woman, you, you know what I mean? Like it's that same kind of, um, and I don't know, I think one informs the other, I guess. Like, Well, I mean, Elvira, of- uh, whenever she was a showgirl, she, she ended up, um, uh, well, before she moved out, she she was working as a, a exotic dancer uh, near an army base, uh, and then she moved out to to Vegas. And um, one night after performing on the base, she she uh, stumbled into a, a drag bar, and fell in love with uh, the, the the drag queens there. And, and they taught her how to do the makeup and, and create the drag character. So so like Elvira is directly from drag. Um, yeah, stopover, Yeah, with a stopover at, at show, being a showgirl. Because that was like her dream at first, uh, and then Elvis saved her. <laughs> Twitter I, left this. Oh, sorry. I used to do drag. I did drag for two years, and that's actually the first time I ever watched Showgirls was because one of my really close drag queen friends was obsessed with it, and so we watched it together for the first time. And I was like, I too am obsessed with this movie. I mean, it is. It's like it's a fun and kind of cynical glimpse into what performers do actually go through i mean 
it, it was a lot like staying alive like like i, I kind of mm. love staying alive um which is a mm -hmm. horrible movie also but like um it, it's fun in the same way this is uh but it's got john travolta oiled up from you know head to toe wearing a loincloth uh do, doing uh broadway musical numbers yeah um uh but but like you know it's it's not that different from what this was um uh if, if you've ever if, and it's written and directed by sylvester stallone <laughs> absolutely count me in yeah no it's 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 a fun movie to watch um so it just, so it just goes to show you that between the you know the exterior of john travolta and sylvester stallone all these really expendable type guys is <laughs> a, a showgirl it just needs to come out sly got his start <laughs> in soft porn yeah, yeah. He hoed it. yeah that's true and that's how yeah. he financed rocky partly but yeah but that How is like one of the big parallels between um, showgirls and drag is like the drag performers who make the most money and have the biggest fan base are the ones who can project in the most over the top way possible, mm -hmm. like the most outrageous, campiest, like biggest way, like makeup and everything. Like you need bigger hair, you need bigger makeup, you need bigger costumes. Like the the thing was always, you know, paint for the back of the room. So like, mm. yeah. That's how yeah. no like Elizabeth Berkeley, her acting in this movie is literally drag. Yeah. I mean, I would I would say that also though her acting in this movie is this like I, I think that as TV kind of takes off took off as a medium, right? Like things got kind of pitched to to certain audiences. And I think Saved by the Bell is a good example of like, you know, kids that are watching that, like teenagers that are watching something like that, like a like a teenage show aren't necessarily looking for a realistic portrayal of teenage life oh yeah, yeah they all I'm, yeah. I'm so excited seeing right, right yeah. there like I, you know i have i've had many friends with drug problems um my, my and none of them have had a moment where they're like i'm so excited i'm so scared <laughs> and then like you have that moment to just get them help and then, and then they're good and they're clean and then they're you know an honor student again well, to be fair, I mean, it's caffeine pills. It's not like she was. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, but I, I, I was told in there that that was a gateway. So there. <laughs> like, like pot. Uh, I remember. Uh, oh, I need to. I need to make my. I need to make my Reagan reference, as as uh, Charlie <laughs> said, to you know, just say no and the war on drugs. So there you go. <laughs> but of course, okay. you know, we're we're not talking about the ultimate drag queen who ate shit. Divine. She had yeah, to go that far. It. Yes. Um, I and I think that the the mama character, right, is is kind of taken off of divine. Like, mm. I mean, oh, huge she, divine vibes. Yeah. 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 Which is which is why it makes sense that John Waters like showgirls as much as he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish I'm sorry I couldn't find a better video clip than the one I sent you. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll I'll grab it if you want to watch it. Um, yeah, it's the audio is so bad in that. All right, we have to get John Waters on this show. John Waters would be amazing on the show. Would love he to talk fun. to that guy. Yeah, we picked the right movie, like like uh, do Priscilla Queen of the Desert with him and um, uh, uh, Renee. Mm. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be that would be a good episode. We got to get John Waters in a room with like these Twitter leftists too, when they're saying, "No, you're transphobic. <laughs> you're so homophobic," and he's just like, "Look, honey, you're a fag," or you know, or something like that. <laughs> I, I love that he uh, he he got a bathroom named after him at the uh, Baltimore Museum of Art. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, no, no. He, he uh he uh, they were having some financial problems and he's just like, Oh honey, I got you and gave them like a, a ton of money. And um they're like, Well, can we name a wing after you or something? Or or like, you know, uh he's like, just name the bathroom after me. <laughs> Taking the piss, call it John Waters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm John watering the plants. 
Um, I, I, I think that one problem with our like society really getting to a point where you can kind of make any kind of content you want, which, which I think is a good thing, but also like somebody like John Waters, who was as iconic as he was in the moment, because he was doing things that really pushed boundaries, like past the point that they could ever be like, like Mondo trash type stuff. You know what I mean? Like as his chosen genre name for what he was doing. And Mm -hmm. like, we, we can't really have that anymore because, mm-hmm. or uh, like Marilyn Manson is another, another thing of like people literally being like, Oh, Marilyn Manson is going to like, like the satanic panic of like people being like, like Marilyn Manson is literally going to like get your kids kidnapped. Like he's a Satanist, all this stuff. And then like, you look at Marilyn Manson now and it's like, eh, like he, yeah. he was barely doing anything compared to like what a lot of like, he's like so going to church with Justin Bieber and Kanye West. Yeah, yeah. They were all in a little prayer circle together the other day. <laughs> I, so I, it just, Sometimes I, I wonder about the fact like I don't I don't like cultural morals or social morals at all. Like I don't it, it kind of I detest the idea of them. But at the same time, when it comes to creating art, when it comes to creating content, it there is a, a part of me, I guess, that we've talked about with like the Hayes Code and like how sexuality had to be like you had to sneak it around censors. So like the fact that you had to sneak it around censors made some of the most creative uses of, you know, both um like you know, gay subtext and um, like sexual subtext and all these different things that like had to be really creative to get around censors. And like, as, as the studio system broke down and I mean, has been rebuilt now, which kind of makes everything um, a lot, a lot, even like even more boring because now there isn't like a, a code as much as just like, well, the, the army better approve of whatever fucking movie you're making or you're not going to get funding worth shit. But like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and they don't make like medium sized films anymore either, which was just, yeah. You know, like there, there's some great medium-sized movies, and and you know, uh, like John Waters can't get funded for anything. Yeah, it just it, it's it, it's frustrating because that that boundary pushing that I really feel like like create creates like a creative renaissance, and I think Showgirls and Verhoeven did this too. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it, this is kind of pushing the boundaries to the point where literally society kind of collapses on itself, and people have this visceral reaction where it's like like how the fuck could you make this 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 disgusted me to my core mm-hmm. this goes past everything like like the and that's i mean like, that was even in the 90s when it that was yeah i know my cat is chiming in um but i mean that was even in the 90s when like erotic thrillers were like really taking off like if you tried to release showgirls today it wouldn't fly like it's regressed so much in a puritanical sense it's like Hollywood at this point is basically devoid of eroticism entirely yeah which yeah which i watched this thing about uh basic instinct 2 which they scrubbed all of the uh bisexualness from the Sharon Stone character Crime. from it. It's a shitty film. The part part 2 it like it's a, a pointless film. It's just like it it existed, you know, I think I think it came out like 2006 when the world changed quite a bit and it's just unwatchable because they you know they they had to have certain restrictions on it and it wasn't about the wokeness. It was about not uh at that point like having bisexual characters was like kind of risque again mm-hmm. and so like and i think sharon stone herself from what i understand didn't want the character to be bisexual in that film either and they just they wiped it from the film and it, it just made it unwatchable and there's no michael douglas either so it's just i don't know a bad straight to video erotic film thriller fly what was that i said give sharon stone a little coke she'll be fine she'll let whatever fly <laughs> But I don't know. It was my it was my casino reference to <laughs> That's right. every movie. She was amazing in that. Yeah, she was. She's been she's been amazing really in in everything mm-hmm. I've seen her in. I mean, Total Recall, 
She was amazing in that. She's amazing. She can overact without it being ca- like campy or shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that there is a uh, there's definitely a place for campy and shitty. But yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I, but Michael I do Elizabeth think. That, Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sharon Stone's overacting kind of hits at like this core note. At least I mean, Casino especially, where it's like you know her overacting hits at a note of like, oh fuck, this is a vulnerable person that's like going through a, a heavy drug addiction. Um, like, like you're like, you're like, yeah, this is overacting, but like, it feels like it works in the plot hundred <laughs> percent. Well, also the, the person she's portraying was someone that like lived her life wearing masks. So like the person she was portraying probably overacted in real life, like trying to, you know, hustle and, and survive and deal with, uh, what's his face or pimp. Um, who played the pimp in that? That asshole guy, James, James Woods. Woods. James Woods, bro, it's just fucking. Hilarious. Who also does the overacting shit? James Woods is. And he blocked me on Twitter. James, <laughs> James Woods is the one role that he can really play very successfully is like a pimp, like a greasy, yeah. like a greasy fucking sketchy fucking guy. And the fact that he's like this conservative, like we need to bring back American values, guys. Like, bro, this isn't you. Go back to <laughs> go back to being a sleazy pimp that gets the shit beaten out of him. By I like, do I do kind of like uh, John Carpenter's vampires. Uh, you know, I it's seen it's, that. Uh, it's uh, James Woods is a uh, Catholic priest vampire hunter um, with a group of other vampire hunters, and uh, it's got one of the lesser Baldwin's as a sidekick. <laughs> um, lesser Baldwin. Is there a greater Baldwin? Uh, Alec, the murderer. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> like, Alec, Alec is the pinnacle of all the world. He really is the only one. Yeah, really. Um, I mean, seriously, but but like honestly, though, like, like the movie... Ball when he was in uh, he was in Cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but, but anyways, yeah. Uh, uh, John Carpenter's yeah, vampires because the, the writer director the writer director died. Because uh, you know Tony put his his hand over his nose and 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 killed him. Cleaver would have yeah. taken off. <laughs> well, the sick thing about media medium sized movies dying is that it was Harvey Weinstein who really made financed a lot of medium sized movies that were actually pretty good, and he's a scumbag. Yeah, and edited like like not just like wait, what just... did Harvey Weinstein do? <laughs> he edited movies to death. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a frail old man in a walker, you know, and everyone's attacking him. <laughs> Edited movies to death. It was just, you know. Yeah, that 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 part of it that made me really sad. When we watched um that Snowpiercer. Well, not sad. In, in, the, in the Snowpiercer case, it made me happy that fucking Bong Joon Ho was able to manipulate people that way. Which was my point about Bong Joon Ho throughout both those episodes we did is how successfully he's able to like manipulate audiences because the language barrier, number one, mm-hmm. and because of like our own um. I think of our own stereotypes about what Asian and like, you know, South Korean people are like who they yeah. are. He's able to manipulate people so well through that. I wish like, Yelmo Dotaro was able to do that before, uh, you know, when he was doing that movie for Weinstein. Um, yeah. Nick, I've definitely made up Japanese cultural aspects oh to like get out of shit. I think know? we're about to get, I think we're about oh, to Oh, we got coal. I on think by. we're about to get our first raid. Oh, nice. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get uh, some more followers. Oh, it's yeah. all on Twitch now? I've been off all this. Oh, he's, his show is popping. Yeah, yeah. He, nice. he's, uh, he, he quit his Facebook and now is just on Twitter. So you're completely missing him. Well, I'm not on Facebook <laughs> now either. Oh, but so, I, yeah. I mean, he and I text and call. We talk to each too. other all the time without an audience. So no, yeah, Cole same, and I know each other very well. 
And uh, a lot of a lot of the words that we're afraid to say, Cole and I say on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he um he's the one that he's the one that drunkly like well I was drunk but he he I was drunk. <laughs> he convinced me on the phone because I had a phone call with him where we were talking about because I'm gonna start doing clips for him and Nia and um nice so <laughs> he convinced me uh, like in a phone call at 3 a.m. to get a Twitch and I was like I Twitch I I've you know, I'm not, I've never been a Twitch guy. And he's like, get a Twitch. Like our Twitch is, is popping. Like you're going to do well to get a Twitch. And then that was like a week and a half ago or a week ago or something. So we've only had a Twitch since last Wednesday. <laughs> this is what our second Twitch third. Um, well, I did one with Conan the other night. Okay. Um, I'll be back so, um, sometime probably early December on Twitch. Word. I mean, I got 2.2 thousand there. I can't just throw that away. It's not like Twitter. <laughs> so this is this is one more this is one more clip that I, that I want to play um to you know really jazz up the conversation and it's about the nudity thing and uh Verhoeven's take on it and um you know so I felt like this this is relevant to where we were in the conversation before once again getting distracted because oh my god there's Sankara there's Thomas Sankara um emotes holy shit oh I thought Thomas Sankara was here I'm like how did that happen that's impossible <laughs> <laughs> He should be on the show if you can get him. He, he comes. He comes. He comes back from the dead to talk to us about food scarcity. Yeah. Like, well, I know Gab was playing with uh, an Ouija board a few nights ago. Yeah, I was. So maybe you brought him back. If I, yeah, if I, could, you know, if I could talk to one person on a Ouija board, I think Thomas Sanker would hundred percent be up on that. And on I that. want to talk to him about Wolf Warrior too. No, <laughs> you will not talk to Thomas Sanker about Wolf Warrior. We can only ask him. We can only ask him three questions. We have so many questions about, like, you know, like liberation and forming a new a new nation. All this, you're, like, you're like, hey, do you want to watch Wolf Warrior Two with me? No, <laughs> it's this '80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's here's the here's the clip. But what are you were both saying about you know the film being? over the top and heightened and, and cartoonish and all those things. I think that's true, but in some ways, uh, Paul, I think this is actually your most realistic American movie. Clearly so. The rest is science fiction, even uh, Basic Instinct. First. But beyond that, I think it strikes at something very... It's. I, I think the film is... And I, I actually think this is why people had such a hard time with it, not because of nudity. I, I think it's because the film is such a, a full-on assault on like very American values, very American institutions, like the film equates show business with prostitution, essentially. The film, you know, is like just completely scaling take on American ambition. And I, I think I think that's actually why people, even now when the film has been um, appreciated, or I, I think it's misappreciated sometimes because people think it's, you know, they can just write it off as like silly or camp or something, but I think the film is... is as yeah, said, I mean, they, they, they called it camp later when it was, let's say, uh, re, uh, uh, when people start to think about it, or a couple of ten years later, they called it uh, camp. But I, I really didn't mean camp. I really, I really meant hyperbolic. You know, over the top in every sense, but not in in an idea to make a camp movie or a cult movie. I thought, but I was wrong, of course. Yeah. But what about like all about Eve? To me, it had the same sort of values, but it that was, you know ambition and what you know business and all that maybe it was just so in your face that i mean camp and high i mean those things i think get confused but people had a really like 
violent reaction to it. But the French people, basically, the French Cahiers people. du Cinéma, Jacques Rivette, one of the uh, new, new, uh, new wave, French new wave, Nouvelle Vague, basically um, wrote the most wonderful review, let's say, as soon uh, a couple of months after the release of the movie. That's why I went to back to France last year, you know. <laughs> but in American, you know, I, I remember doing press for it, and it was my first now I'm like old school at it, but my first NC-17 film, and I found it very um, disturbing to find out that because of the nudity, it was NC-17, yet it had been really violent, it wouldn't have been. And I think that's an American problem. Like I think in Europe, you know, you can show all the nudity, it just doesn't really mean anything so much. But especially at that time, like, I don't know. It just was a strange. Well, it's ten times worse now. You know, I mean, nowadays in American movies, when there is a sexual scene, every every all the women, uh, uh, let's say, uh, wear bras. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's really strange, isn't it? And normally, at a certain moment, you would take it off. I would say. But no, in, in movies, even in my own movie in Hollow Man, I couldn't get, I, I couldn't any, this was Elizabeth Chu. We even basically were asked and, and, and forced, I would say, by the studio to have her bra on. Yeah, and I even if I argued that normally you, you take it off, even if you put it on to take it off during the sex, which is fun too, of course, but, <laughs> but in general, it, it would be done without bra. But you don't see that anymore, you know? They're all, that's how women basically go, do sex in the United now. States, apparently. <laughs> on TV, it's like you see a lot of nudity. On huh? HBO, you see a lot of nudity. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but not in films. But more on television. Yeah, now. sure. Yeah, but uh, sure. So that, uh, but that works in a completely different way, basically, because in this, uh, let's say in the theaters, it's really about uh, people getting into the theater, you know, and and they want everybody to go into the theater. That's why you. That's why the R is nearly eliminated, isn't it? It's all, everything is nowadays PG, PG-13. Everybody has to accept the, the movie. Everybody get, gets into the cinema should accept the movie because there is no, nothing offensive anymore at all. And certainly nudity is offensive. I don't I, I'm looking at this and like I know the MPAA is a big racket and it's corrupt and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to defend them, but I definitely don't think a kid should see this film. Like yeah. the rape scene, you know, that's the, at the top of my list, but also like Although the weird I think the rape sex scene is, is incredibly um, cartoonish. And, and all, like, it is, but also like if you're young and you're not like versed in what good cinema looks like, it's just a really fucked up scene. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and, and it happens without like without warning, but it also like it, it's weird. It's in the not earned that, at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's completely irrelevant. It's I don't know if I don't. I mean I know you got that like you picked up the the term earned from uh, you don't know me that because they're talking about at the end like it, it doesn't quite earn the rape scene like in the sense of um uh, oh at the end of you don't know me they talked about the rape scene and they're like it doesn't quite earn like plot wise it doesn't quite earn it. Mm -hmm. but I also feel like earn it is a little weird <laughs> term to describe a rape scene with. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like it feels Sorry, like the only reason it's there is so that no me have the redemption <laughs> arc. Mm, that makes sense. I, it's like I, you see Nomi acting like a shithead, and then they're like, "Oh, we'll use this, the one black girl in the movie, as a pawn for Nomi's redemption arc. She gets like yeah, brutally beaten and raped." I don't. It's I like don't. in Top Gun, where they, with the first cut of the film, they showed it to a test audience, and they're like, "Yeah, Goose and Maverick are gay," 
they're they they they're, they're definitely boning. So then they added in a sex scene with uh Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis, but it's all in the dark, and I think they aren't really in it. I think that they used like body doubles for it just, just so like they could Kyle prove McLaughlin's that they're ass. Oh, is that not his real ass? I don't think so. Like, like he was his real ass. Is it really angular like the rest of his face? Maybe that's so. why. No, like, like who? Who, who, whoever was getting in the pool was like much more ripped than he was. Okay. By the but way, like, I, need to, I need to throw it out there. Everyone that, everyone that raided into the stream, welcome to the stream. Thank you. I this is our yes. first this is our first raid. Yeah, I don't. I, don't mm. I it was funny talking about not funny, but like they're talking about that like the rave scene and stuff, and then he's like, uh, they forced us. They, they forced us to put the bra rack on, and it's like. They for like, the American version of a rape scene is that they're like, put these clothes back on, quick. We're going back to Saudi Arabia here. But well, we kind of are, right? Like we, in some ways, not. I mean, we're not like we're not Saudi Arabia necessarily, but we are like a a, a puritanical culture in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We're like a moralistic yeah. culture, and they, they kind of and, covered this on, on a that documentary. Um, this movie's not yet rated. Where yeah. they kind of uh, like dug into who the NPAA is, uh, and I, that uh, that's a really like good documentary. I've never seen that years since I've seen it, but it was good. Too, far too young to like appreciate the movie. I've not <laughs> seen it. We've so we've we've reached this point, right? Violence is incredibly accepted. Um, and I was thinking about this last night. Violence is incredibly accepted in, in film. Like you can be as violent as you want. People can die. It can be absolutely horrific. Like. You know what I mean? People get the shit beat out of them. Like, wh- like whatever that is. Like, American audiences have been desensitized to it over the last, mm-hmm. like, 30 years. Sex, though, is it feels like it gets far more puritanical, specifically in movie theaters. But this kind of takes us to a point of showgirls, which is that, like, you're paying for the premium, um, like, the, the premium service of, of getting this, like, of, of getting premium cable, right? Like, you're paying for HBO. So it's almost like you've reached that transactional point um, where you're like, you've handed money over and they're like, all right, well, we'll show you like nudity and we'll actually like choreograph sex scenes in it so that they're actually like watchable. They're not just like weird. You know what I mean? Like, like HBO at least has done like, you know, like even in the Sopranos, like they had like some, I mean like their, their sex scenes were like good soft core. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like, it's not like they were giving you like this weird, like uh Kyle McLaughlin shit. Good you know, softcore, like, but like softcore usually don't have three hundred pound dudes. So much in. Well, it. they were doing representation. Yeah. <laughs> now that Ron Jeremy's canceled, we have Tony Soprano pumping, yeah. you know, a uh, Eastern European hua. <laughs> but no, but like, so you're paying for it, so all of a sudden you do get access to something that you know what I mean. Like they're they're willing to put actual sex. Ron Jeremy was canceled. Yeah, he's actually a really shitty guy. You know, like oh. Did you know about this? No. Like, like literal sexual assaults. Like oh, in his, God. at his age now, not like way back in the day or anything. Like he's he's a, he's a scumbag. Oh man, he's like, not the cute hedgehog. Um, I, guy. I remember I was reading the uh, bio of the guy who started in Pirates uh, on IMDb for some reason. You know the the, the porno movie Pirates, and, and um, he's like he's the third famous uh, porn star after the guy who murdered somebody and Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This makes the bio even funnier now. And he was in like basketball. He was in a lot of movies where like, oh, he's just this cute old man who does porn, and uh, no, he's yeah. he's literally the scumbag he looks like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wanted to get uh Gab's final thoughts because she has to go to um sleep for work and stuff. Final thoughts from the final thoughts from the final girl. 
from the final girl. Wow, way to tie it all together. Um, I'm a hoe. We gotta we gotta pimp ourselves. <laughs> so true. I'm I'm literally pimping myself tomorrow for my uh, my corporate job. I have to work twelve hours. Um, final thoughts. I lo- I mean I love it. I'm I'm team showgirls. I like Verhoeven in general, mm-hmm. which I think people. What is it? Oh, sorry. Um, I really like Basic Instinct, um, but Showgirls is, I think, my favorite of Verhoeven's movies at this point. But, like, of course it is. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I just, like, I don't know if it's the, if I'm, like, sentimental for Showgirls, just, like, when I used to perform and do drag or whatever, if that's why I have that sort of attachment to it. But I just, like, actually, every time I watch it, I think I fall more in love with it. And I just find different things that are funny about it or really smart about it. Like I didn't notice the mirrors thing until a couple watches ago. Um, which is, a, I mean, which has been like a trope throughout a lot of movies. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like that, that mirror as an image. I mean, I, I do like that number one scenes are mirrored and number two, there are a lot of mirrors. In it. Like I, I do like that those two things are combined in this, but like, yeah. it is, it is interesting that like some, symbologically or, you know, like, the symbology of mirrors has been like a, a feature of film because number one, like it has a lot of symbolic value. Sure. Number two, it's just really fucking cool to see like multiple people, you know, really reflected in the mirror. Like it just makes for like beautiful cinematography. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting when those two things come together. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's like a, if I'm having a, a movie night with friends or something and I want to watch something fun that doesn't take too much brain power. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to watch Showgirls and we're going to have a good time and we're going to laugh. Except for the rape scene. Things get kind of awkward and quiet during that. But then we move on because Nomi goes and kicks ass, which I am a fond of. And with someone in the You Don't Know Me documentary was like, I think it's, I mean, it is cynical for her to have to do that because it's just is speaking to, you know, like no law enforcement is going to take care of mm-hmm. or like do her justice do her friend justice who her who's a victim so it's like it does kind of suck that she has to take it into her own hands but it's also really fucking cool to watch her roundhouse kick the shit out of that guy it's yeah, very I mean, uh i spit on your grave it kind of like that yeah. those kind of revenge films that are like it yeah, definitely not movies to watch at a party but like <laughs> the second half of those films when they're just kicking ass that that's that's fun to watch that's I and that bathtub scene in I spit in your grave. Mm. I just there's there's a there's a big part of me that wishes though that they had kind of um like it feels like kind of unrealized potential in some ways that she just kind of you know roundhouse kicked the one guy and beat the shit of him and like she could have she could have gone back and like like I, I was I don't know like maybe it's maybe it's like Tarantino brain at this point. But like, the idea, like <laughs> no, but like the because obviously that's why Tarantino was the first person to say, "Hey, this is a good movie." Because like a guy gets roundhouse kicked by <laughs> a woman, by a lady blonde. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, but but there's a part of me that's like thinking, like, well, if they were gonna go with the vigilante kind of aspect, right? Like, she rises and then she falls and then she burns it all down. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd committed more than just kind of um, having her just beat up one guy because like she had three rapists. It's not like it was just mm-hmm. the one. You know what I mean, like. So I, I wish that at least they had kind of showed her like beating the shit out of everybody in there. So I, I feel like that would have maybe redeemed it in some ways for me. Not not the character of, of Molly, like, you know, having to happen to her and happening so suddenly, but like 
at least it would have made a little bit more sense in, like in terms of like oh this is this is someone that the rose maybe fell and then burned it to the ground that makes mm-hmm. sense rather than kind of just having like this is someone who rose fell beat up a guy and then left vegas it's just like okay i'm sure that happens a lot to be honest <laughs> i think tarantino probably also liked the racism in the movie a lot <laughs> <laughs> How do you how do you get the black actors not to like do much? <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't the white actors saying the n-word more though? I think that was probably one of his questions. <laughs> and where are all the Asian women? <laughs> also, I mean, it is at a strip club. Where are all the Asian women, to be honest, <laughs> to be a pro, to be you know yeah. accurate. No, you, you gotta have like every kind of fetish to to perform at the strip club. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but Gab, thanks for coming on. I. I mean, kind of, of course. a conversation that was all over the place. And I like I like this format for Twitch. Like, don't necessarily like, you know, editing it after the fact and then having to hear myself say whatever and be like, oh, wow, I said this and that. I should probably- <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is this is I found this. Clip I'm, cha- I'm changing the name to Kenzo Shibata show to my talk show horse. My talk. Oh, hey, meet the left to my talk show horse. Meet the hua. <laughs> meet the meet the hua's. <laughs> All right, this, this, I found this clip. That's the Patreon version. I found this clip pretty funny. They they gave me tips out of their per diem. Now, oh, that's very generous of them. Yeah, and I what gave it, it back. You gave it back. Actually, yeah. I was thinking maybe buy them all lunch or something. That would be very nice. Take the money and at the end of the shoot, buy them a nice catered banquet. Yes. Yeah. And what about your family? Are they have they seen the film? They haven't seen the movie. They're going to see it this week. Oh my but God! Look out! Here it comes. I know, especially my brother. My brother has his fraternity brothers who are going the twenty second when it opens. Forty of them are going together. That'll be a tough night for the kid. <laughs> be a tough night for Luckily, the kid. he's in Los Angeles and his friends are in Michigan where I'm from. And so. what about mom and dad? Are you worried about mm, mom and dad? Midwestern mom and girl. dad are very open. They're, they're going to see it this week before the premiere. I thought that that would be good. Uh-huh. Better that they weren't seeing it for the first time. Give a chance to get out of the country. Yes. <laughs> yes. Before I'm But they, are, are they going to be stunned by this or not, do you think? Oh, I think everyone who sees the movie will be stunned. There are a lot of things that have never been seen in film before. Really? Like so. what? What kind of stuff we got here? Well, Dave, have you ever been lap danced before? I'm sorry, have you ever been what? Have you ever been lap? Dance? I thought you said, "Have I ever been to Lapland?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I've Same never thing. been to Lapland. When you lap dance, uh, I could take you to Lapland. Well, technically speaking, what is a lap dance? Is is it legal in most states? Oh yeah, definitely. Really? Well, what is it exactly? Well, um. I would do it for you, but your censors would have me thrown off the show. So okay. I'll, I'll just tell you that um, basically, it's it's about seduction uh-huh. and. The woman basically, and it's about power, and the woman basically is being paid to seduce and to you turn the man on, on. You sit on my lap. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, let me just show you one thing. Okay. What should I do? The 90s are so good. Just just I'm okay. just going to say, I'm not going to show you the whole thing because these are things you have to see in the movie, but this is the basic position. That's enough right there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, there for a minute I was in Lapland. Can you come back tomorrow night? Can you come back every night? I wonder what my parents will think of this. 
Are we still on the air? You'll see the rest in the movie. I'm sorry? You mean if my vision returns? Yeah. Well, I guess we ought to do something here, huh? We'll be right back. Yeah, the 90s were very different. Yeah. That, that was the era I was going to college. Um, this movie came out like uh, right as I was starting my freshman year in college. I was one. And um, uh, I remember like uh, freshman orientation. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, uh, my assigned roommate, and he was like high as a kite. And we were talking about how awesome Saved by the Bell was. <laughs> like, like, it's like, he's like, man, like, the show's not good, right? But it's good. <laughs> You know? I was hanging out at the crib in the crib at the crib. I was not because I was like this, you know, angry, angsty punk kid. I'm like, I don't identify with these people, uh, especially not Screech, who did a porno himself where he did a dirty Sanchez, um, <laughs> which he didn't have. This is the thing that got me about that is he didn't have to do that. Just the fact that Screech was in a porn was probably he, enough to he sell has it. like uh i mean he has like a bad drug problem now right like he's he's dead now yeah, he's dead so he's dead he but died like, pretty recently yeah but he has but didn't he have like a long yeah. history with like a, a and he was like robbed someone at one point and like there was like a whole bunch of stuff that happened with oh him. my god imagine getting robbed by screech yeah <laughs> <laughs> no he, he went through like and you giving me that, that giant cell like, phone you like, don't you don't even get robbed, you don't even get the get the respect of being robbed by Zach Morris who <laughs> or Mario Lopez like let's face it yeah he, he's like the no, nice guy in that show was... you know what I mean like it, he's not gonna rob no, although he did rape somebody in real life at that time Ro wait which one did uh Mario Lopez I didn't know that NBC covered it up Ooh, um NBC does that yeah he um was he gonna buy uh, I don't. Is that why they was he on act? Oh, and then the, then he we got on Access Hollywood Circle of Life. Yeah, right? and, and uh, now he uh, did you see his uh, Colonel Sanders movie? No, he did a Colonel Sanders romance movie. I saw that friend. it existed. I didn't watch it. I heard <laughs> about it. Oh my god, it, it is like not. the best fifteen minutes of your life. Let me tell you, the whole movie's fifteen minutes. <laughs> yes. Okay, Do you I'll want it to be it. any longer? Come on. I could watch fifteen minutes of that. I could not watch a two-hour movie of that. No. Yeah, it's it's like 15 20 minutes. It, it's it's uh, you know, it's got the same three act structure as like a lifetime original movie except it's Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders and you don't need it to be any longer than that and they set it up for a sequel. So um what's the yes. matter, Colonel Sanders chicken? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I got to say, you lose all your money, honey, you want to make some more? Won't take longer than 15 minutes. Sooner or later you're going to have to sell it, Mario Lopez. <laughs> 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 yeah, we were taking people to Lapland where uh Dave Letterman pops a chubby in front of uh America. <laughs> and America was better for it. It's such a funny clip. It is. <laughs> so funny in so many ways because if he was like horny and was like, Oh, can you show me a lap dance? That would I wouldn't want to watch. Like I'd be like, yeah. Oh my god, this is uncomfortable. The fact that she's like, here, let me just show you something real quick and just get to the which it's Dave Letterman, like you know what I mean. Like it's Elizabeth Berkeley who's not like she's she obviously is like going. I mean, thought in the moment that she was going up in her career, like Showgirls hadn't come out yet. You know what I mean? Like it was like a, a role. That Are you saying she was a thought in the moment? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh 
<laughs> no, but like, you know, but like, so it makes sense. But like the fact that, you know, I don't think it was pre-planned. Like the fact that, uh, I mean, maybe it was, but like, I, I doubt it was. Like the fact that like Dave Letterman's just sitting there like that uncomfortable, which obviously is a character he's playing up. But like the fact that he is that uncomfortable makes it hilarious. Like if he was creepy towards her, he'd be like, I don't want to fucking watch this. This is creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. The fact that he just like in the moment is like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> he played that very well. You tell her, King. <laughs> He's like, please don't do. Oh, please don't stop doing this. Please, please this was your idea. <laughs> it almost seemed like she was tr- trying to bait him into asking for it. And when he didn't, she's like, well, I'll just do it because I was planning on doing it. <laughs> no, yeah, 100% was what it was. Um, All right. I think I think. uh where we our raid our raid points have, have, have gone. So <laughs> I'm gonna ask each of you guys first, Kenzo. Final thoughts on Showgirls, Verhoven. You know, I definitely I, I a lot of times I just kind of sign off. I, I definitely have something to say. I have something to say at the end of this. So, but, but, well, I, if we're talking about Verhoven, I gotta say there's not a film he made that is not that is unwatchable. Even the ones that aren't great are a lot of fun to watch. And uh, so, Hollow I, Man. I, oh, excuse me. What was that? Hollow Man. <laughs> it's watchable, I think. It's not a good movie. No, no, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, think that's one that he he acknowledges, right? Like he kind of he kind of loped back off to France. After yeah, <laughs> like like that that one like really needs to be deconstructed because there's just so much wrong with it. <laughs> Are we gonna do that? Is that gonna be an episode in our in our in our December lineup? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I don't right. want to watch that again. <laughs> but then, like as far as showgirls go, it's it was a movie that I think had to happen. It it captured a cultural moment we had where showgirls could not have existed five years before, or I think five years, definitely not in the two thousands. So I'm glad it was made. Um, Elizabeth Berkeley made a terrible career choice in being in the film, acting the way she did in the film, and then promoting it as she did. But we have all of these beautiful artifacts from it, like that Dave Letterman clip. So I have nothing but love for the film. Uh, and I, the fact that she didn't understand what camp meant or what, what it meant to be campy. So Verhoeven was just kind of leaning into that with his direction of her um, is also just brilliant on his part. And, you know, we saw the, the fruits of that labor, which is, you know, one of the worst, best films of the 90s. Well, I think I think I if I remember correctly who originally kind of said this, um, I think it was, uh, it was Chapo. And I think it was Matt Christman that said this, but they, they showed interestingly, like really interestingly, they showed uh, Starship Troopers at Lincoln Center, which, mm. you know, already having, like being able to show a film, at, you know, Lincoln Film Center and, and talk about it beforehand. Like a lot of times that's revert, like that's reserved for people that actually made the film. Like the fact that they kind of had the cultural clout in the moment. Cause I think this was 2017 or 2018. They had the cultural clout to actually be able to like take over Lincoln Center and play Starship Troopers and then do like like cultural commentary before and after, which they've talked about it a lot. It's like, you know, I think it's um Matt Christman and Will Minaker's like favorite movie, both of them. So it makes sense why they did it. Also, um someone else was there. Um Virgil Virgil Tech. Oh, okay. Virgil someone <laughs> whose name shall not we, we talked about Weinstein, Epstein, uh Dron Jeremy, Roman Polanski, and now oh. um yeah. <laughs> Big names. 
<laughs> and of course, Mario Lopez. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who I didn't know was a scumbag until tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's um, I don't know. Like, like you know, you know, to be completely fair, if if he like learned lessons from that whole thing, which I mm. doubt he did. You know, and he's never publicly apologized or anything because he's never publicly admitted he did that. Um, uh, you know, that'd be one thing. Uh, but like he hasn't, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, anyway. Um, I, I. So the point that I was making is that um, during that, they they talked about how it's kind of it's very brave in general, um, both with Starship Troopers and with Showgirls and. Um, not as much with Robocop, I guess, because he didn't take this tack during Robocop. But um, at least in those two movies, it was pretty brave of him to make the make the point that like he's going to use bad acting or like you know what I mean, like a different kind of acting as like you know the 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 bravery that it takes to make a bad movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think in Starship Troopers, I mean, the point of it is to make like a um different form of pornography but like a pornographically nationalist patriotic militarist film as if a fascist society is making that film which makes perfect sense because you know um Berhoven, you know talked at length about how he felt like and i don't think everybody necessarily agrees with this but um like the author of the original starship troopers like like the the, the book that it's based on um he finally like, yeah highland was a, was a, he felt like highland was a was a fascist and that he was his well, so I mean, I'm I'm not I, I haven't read the book, so I can't. You know, but he felt like Highland was a fascist. The, yeah, Highland's the- complicated, but yeah, he's definitely on the right wing because uh, it depends on the books. So some are fascist, some are a little more libertarian. Yeah, um, he so he felt like except for Stranger in the Strange Land, which is weird. I would liberal. say two but, two sides <laughs> of the same coin, but anyway. Oh, when it comes to fascist libertarian. I like the part where the guy's head blows up because he took his helmet off. That's my favorite part of Starship Troopers. I rewind that and watch it 10 times when I watch well, that film. So, so they said that it was like, you know, it's kind of the bravery of making a bad film, right? The bravery of risking making a bad film to make a point. And in, in Starship Troopers, I mean, it's obviously supposed to be fascist propaganda thrown back into your face as, as, like, as a film that you're watching as an audience, which makes it an incredibly crazy film to watch. But in Showgirls, he's kind of doing the same thing, but he's using this over-the-top um, acting style that I don't think would have existed necessarily previously. I think I think in the 80s it would have, but like the 80s, 90s, into the 2000s, like that Saved by the Bell, like because teenagers don't really want to see themselves reflected on the screen at them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. teenagers want to see this over-the-top like like notion of being a teenager that they're kind of, they think is funny and, and whatever. I, like, I remember watching like Nickelodeon as a kid and like, you know, none of those shows, like, it was never, like, a realistic drama. Like, the Grassies, I guess, the closest thing you could really come to, like, a, a, you know, making it as gritty as possible. But, like, it's still the same thing. Like, this weird notion of, like, um, like this over-the-top, like, oh, my God, to be a teenager, my God, it's dramatic. He took that same style with Elizabeth Berkeley that she had during Saved by the Bell and translated it into Showgirls, which is kind of, it's an amazing feat in that sense. But I mean, really, it was only one episode of Saved by the Bell. She did that. Um, but it's still, no, but there still is a a very. When you watch that show, you don't feel like you're watching. Like it's a sitcom thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no, like- no. But like, 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 it's it's a different type of performance too that that she was doing on Saved by the Bell versus this, except for that that one episode where she was on drugs. Um, where, but I don't, where, I don't think that I don't compare her whole performance in Showgirls to that episode. Like okay. That, that, I, I just like kind of, you know me being the the Saved by the Bell aficionado here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know talking to 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 my uh, 
a college freshman orientation roommate about about it while he was stoned off his ass. Um, but how you wish that Elizabeth Berkeley would, you know, give you a lap dance and you get a chubby. We had him, no clue this movie was coming out at the time. Like like this <laughs> like like uh uh I mean was it summer ninety five? Uh was that was that uh uh Independence Day? No, that was I think Independence Day was a year. Oh, is it older? I thought it was a little newer than that. The the whole point I was making whenever bring this whole thing up is like like this this movie wasn't necessarily on anybody's radar uh, it, it, during the summer. So when I get to college, like the buzz kind of was starting for for this movie, um, and, and I remember nobody wanted to go see the movie because like I had no car, so uh, we we had to like either uh, take the bus and I'd have to see it during the daytime, which just seemed weird. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch Showgirls <laughs> in the theater during the day. <laughs> yeah, you'll have some interesting, uh, you know, fellow viewers in the audience there. Yeah, uh, or uh, I'm you know, here to for a lap dance. <laughs> to try to convince somebody Her, to drive a uh, to drive me on, there. This is on a big screen. We're in a theater. <laughs> she can't hear you. Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta hop off now and put the child to bed. All right. Uh, but yeah, had so much fun here, friends. Uh, hope to be back on. Let me get uh, one word. Let me get one word to describe showgirls. Not sex. Oh, that's that's two words. Um, <laughs> Boobalicious. <laughs> titties. Camp. Ugh. All right, camp's better than titties. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the camp, and it depends on the titties. True. <laughs>